You are listening to Radio Free Nashville, 107.1 and 103.7 FMLP, and streaming live at RadioFreeNashville.org. Welcome to the Veterans for Peace Radio Hour, and it is Christmas Eve. Now, if you are familiar with our show over the past five years, you know what we do around Christmas. And if you're not, well, it'll be a surprise. But before we get to that portion, I'd like to share a comment we received this last week. We often get comments. We often get compliments and um, support. But this one had a concern. The person who commented on the show um, about how can we be taken seriously, our show, if we do not support Trump's efforts to get out of Afghanistan. And I responded that he probably had not listened to the bulk of our shows. That, yes, indeed, we have supported Trump's efforts to get out of Afghanistan. In fact, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I'd written an op-ed for the local newspaper doing just that and telling the Democrats to take advantage of the opportunity if they can and get behind Trump if he wants to end endless wars. I don't care what his motives are. Let's do what we can to end endless wars. And so with that, I also mentioned in response that we have noted the establishment condemnation of those efforts and their actions to block Trump. Both the Democrats and the Republicans in the military-industrial complex have done what they could to say, oh, no, oh, no, you can't pull the troops out. I also mentioned that we've been consistent with our anti-war, anti-imperialism, anti-occupations stance, and I pointed out that while supporting Trump pulling out of troops, we've also condemned his assassination of the Iranian general, Soleimani, and his support of Israel in their assassination of the Iranian scientist. We also pointed out on this show and condemned Obama slash Hillary drone warfare interventions in Syria, Libya, not to mention the continuing wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, despite Obama's promise to pull the troops out. With that, we had a great conversation, and we found that we were actually on the same page. So the point is, please send us your comments. We love to discuss issues. Send me a text at 703-403-6135. And you can find our show on SoundCloud and Anchor by just searching Veterans of Peace, the Hector Black Chapter, Hector Black Chapter. You can also find our show on Pacifica Radio Audio Port. We do love to hear from you. Uh, It helps us realize that we are making a difference, even in in a little way. So with that, uh, on with the logistics. My name is Jim. Wolgamuth, and I'm here with fellow veterans Tom Gross and Harvey Bennett, uh, part of the Veterans for Peace Radio Hour. Veterans for Peace is an international organization of military veterans and allies whose collective efforts are to build a culture of peace by using our experiences and lifting our voices for the causes of peace, humanity, equality, and justice. Our network is comprised of over 140 chapters worldwide. Our radio show is on stations across the country. And so once again, you got a comment or whatever, um, you can find us on Facebook on a variety of pages. But 
send me a text, 703-403-6135. So, the Veterans for Peace Radio Hour and Radio Free Nashville are supported in part by the Green Party of Tennessee, bringing some common sense in a bipolar world of American politics. Go to greenpartyoftennessee.org. Okay, so on with our Christmas show, which has become a favorite because it is clearly the best example, from my standpoint, of the Christmas spirit. This, But this year, it also shows what people can do when they push for a good idea, when they collectively challenge authority. We are in such a time right now. We are going to have to use the spirit of those troops in those trenches to take risks and reject the establishment and make demands on those in charge. We cannot afford to have Obama 2.0. We need to force change on Biden, Pelosi, Schumer, and if possible, McConnell. So here's the story of the Christmas truce of 1914, when troops in opposing trenches rejected the establishment. And for that Christmas, they put down their guns And then they said they would not kill each other. So here is the show. I didn't raise my boy to be a soul. 
that is, let's see, that is Morton Harvey from the World War I era, 1915, give or take. Uh, there's a couple of interesting and uh, impassioned phrases in there. You probably caught them. Um, there wouldn't be any war if all the moms would just say, I didn't raise my son to be a soldier. It also says uh, about, I didn't raise my son to carry a, to carry a rifle to kill some other mothers. Pride and joy. So, there's the scene is set for my Christmas, my favorite Christmas story. It takes place in the trenches between Germans, between the Germans and the British, in December of 1914. Let's set the scene a little bit more. World War I is less than a year old. And... Already, the trenches are dug, and people are, well, you know, I got another song. Probably describe it a little bit better. Oh, the snowflakes fell in silence over Bellwood that night. For a Christmas truce had been declared. By both sides of the fight And as we lay there in our trenches The silence broke into By a German soldier singing A song that we all knew Though I did not know the language The song was silent night then I heard my buddy whisper, all is calm and all is bright. Then the fear and doubt surrounded me, cause I'd die if I was wrong. But I stood up in my trench and I began to see along. Then across the frozen battlefield and joined in until one by one each man became a singer of the end then I thought that I was dreaming for right there in my side stood the German soldier beneath the falling flakes of white and he raised his hand and smiled at me As if he seemed to say Here's hoping we both live to see us Find a better way When the devil's clock struck midnight And the skies lit up again At the battlefield where heaven stood Blown to hell again But for just one fleeting moment The answer seems so clear Heaven's not beyond the clouds It's just beyond the fear 
No heavens not beyond clouds It's for us to find here So for that Christmas, in a portion of the trenches, during World War One, between the British and the Germans, fighting stopped. Fighting stopped. So I've, I've always loved this story where um, some junior officers and some enlisted men just basically took charge said no not today so I was going to tell the story but I thought well let's let's do something better let's see if we can find some letters um, from the troops of that time and I found them um, they're in a book by Park Leslie Cleveler, Cleaver and Allen and it's called not a shot was fired letters from the Christmas truce and so I'm going to start off by talking about how they describe the scene. This is from Chapter 7, Songs, Songs of Truth. It's astonishing to think that something as simple as a Christmas carol could actually stop a war. But it happened in 1914 on the Western Front. World War I was just a few months old, but there had been intense fighting for much of that time to halt the German advance into France. Fighting that eventually deteriorated into trench warfare. German and allied soldiers, the United States was not in, in the war yet, were barely 60 yards apart in some places, standing waist deep in cold, muddy water. It's December. They would make little headway for another three years they wouldn't move that's the that's the glory and horror of trench warfare yet in the midst of this misery this war of attrition something miraculously happened on christmas day 1914 soldiers on both sides laid down their arms walked across no man land no man's land and shook hands with their friend the enemy it's impossible to pinpoint a single event that sparked this unofficial and potentially treasonous truce. But the closest thing to a starting point was when Major Archibald Buchanan Dunlap of the 1st Leicester Shires and fellow officers decided to sing carols to the German troops entrenched a few yards away. Major Buchanan Dunlap had been, had been sent a copy of the end-of-term carol concert of Loretto's school. He was an old boy and member of the staff at the school, and his son, still attending the school, sent him the concert program. The major decided to sing the carols listed in the first part of the concert to the German troops. 
little suspecting what effect it would have. Perhaps it was helped by the fact that the German soldiers had lit up their side of the trench with Christmas trees and lanterns. Or perhaps it was that Christmas Day 1914 in France was cold with sharp frost and slightly misty, the traditional white Christmas. So, there's how they introduce it. And now I want to read you just some of the letters that they had printed. So, here's a letter from Corporal Leon Harris of the 13th Battalion, London Regiment, Kensington, writing to his parents residing in Caradon, Monks Road, Exeter. This has been the most wonderful Christmas I have ever struck. We were in the trenches on Christmas Eve and about 8.30 the firing was almost at a standstill. Then the Germans started shouting across to us, A Happy Christmas! and commenced putting up lots of Christmas trees with hundreds of candles on the parapets of their trenches. Some of the men met some of theirs halfway, and the officers arranged a truce till midnight on Christmas Day. It was extended till Boxing Day. Now, if you don't know what Boxing Day is, Boxing Day is the day after Christmas and is celebrated in, the, in, in Britain, in the U.K., it was extended until Boxing Day night, and we all went out and met each other between the two lines of trenches, exchanging souvenirs, buttons, tobacco, cigarettes. Several of them spoke English. Huge fires were going on all night on both sides, and both sides sang carols. It was a wonderful time, and the weather was glorious on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Frosty and bright, with moon and stars at night. In another letter from Aidan Little, and Aidan was from where? He was of the 93rd Argyle and Sutherland Highlanders, writing on Christmas Day, writing on Christmas Day to his parents at Sheffield Manor near Bassingstoke. And he says, It's freezing hard again now. Started last night, which was gorgeous. Beautiful moon and starlight. The Germans sang and played tunes. We encored them, and quite a conversation was held in one place between one of our men and a German who had lived in Glasgow. This afternoon, the Germans, who are a Saxon regiment opposite of here, started proceeding by rolling two barrels of beer into the trenches. Most of our men and officers, including myself, went out and met them halfway. We, we exchanged smokes, newspapers, and, a variety, and various souvenirs for over an hour. The whole time there was a continual boom a long way off on our left, where some battle was going on. On our right, snipers were quite busy, but along our battalion and, and the next on our left, as far as I could see, the whole place was crowded with groups of Germans and English and Highlanders bucking away at each other. Quite a lot of them spoke English. I exchanged some tobacco with a gentleman from Glasgow 
for some quite good good cigars. They were awfully keen to get a football match against us. Whether it will come off or not, I don't know. It did, though. So in spite of the Kaiser, in spite of the Kaiser, we had our peace and goodwill for the afternoon at any rate. They were quite convinced that the Russians were absolutely beaten and also the Serbians. Also that they would win and the war would be over in six months at the most. Their officers whistled them back after about an hour and there was a lot of handshaking and Alvita sayings. Although most astonishingly show they seemed quite peaceful, peaceable. I asked one of them if he hated the English like the Prussians did. He denied the imputation most emphatically. And they, they seemed very bored with the people on our left who they thought fired way too much during the day. All of which goes to show what remarkable show this war is. One can hardly realize now only an hour or so after that we are all on the lookout, all back at post, waiting and wondering if they will attack because after all, headquarters rather expects them to do that tonight for some reason or another. You know, the, the, the sad part of that letter or the, the interesting part of that letter is that <clears throat> this happened in their section of the trench and the war continued on their left and their right. Here's another letter from C.H. Brazier's, uh, and he was with the Queen's Westminster, Westminster's of Bishop Stortford, and this was published in the paper in Hertfordshire. You will no doubt be surprised to hear that we spent our Christmas in the trenches after all and that Christmas Day was a very happy one. On Christmas Eve, the Germans entrenched opposite us began calling out to us, cigarettes, pudding, a happy Christmas. English means good. So two of our fellows climbed over the parapet of the trench and went towards the Germans. Halfway, they were met by four Germans who said that they would not shoot on Christmas if we didn't shoot on Christmas. They gave our fellows cigars and bottles of wine and were given cakes and cigarettes. When they came back, I went out with some of our fellows and we were met about, met about 30 Germans who seemed to be very nice. I got one of them to write his name and address on a postcard as a souvenir. All through the night, we sang carols to them and they sang to us. One played God Save the King on a mouth organ. On Christmas Day, we all got out of our trenches and walked about with the Germans who, when asked if they were fed up with the war, said, yes, rather. They all believed that London had been captured and that the German sentries were outside of Buckingham Palace. They are evidently told a lot of rot. We gave them some of our newspapers to convince them. Some of them could speak English fairly well. Between the trenches, there were a lot of dead Germans whom we helped to bury. In one place where the trenches were only 25 yards apart, we could see, a de- we could see dead Germans half buried, their legs and gloves sticking out through the ground. The trenches in this position 
are close. They are called the death trap. As hundreds have been killed there. A hundred yards or so in the rear of our trenches, there were houses that had been shelled. These were explored with some regulars, and we found old bicycles, top hats, straw hats, umbrellas. We dressed ourselves up in these and went over to the Germans. It seemed so comical to see fellows walking about in top hats and with umbrellas. Some rode the bicycles backward. We had some fine sport and made the Germans laugh. No firing took place on Christmas night. And at four the next morning, we were relieved by regulars. I managed to get a hold of a German ammunition pouch and a bayonet. But the latter I've had to throw away as it was way too awkward to carry. I intend to bring the pouch home with me when I come home. And this is from C.H. Brazier. It's, you know, and I, I, that is the excerpt and the amazing ability of him to go from the joy of peace, the joy of a peaceful moment to the horrors of war to the joy of frolicking around with the Germans while they dressed up. But that's what war, I guess, does. That's the impact that you just start to block things. Well, I've got another song. And it is called Christmas in the Trenches. And... Let's hear that one. Let's hear that one. I come from Liverpool. Two years ago, the war was waiting for me after school. To Belgium and to Flanders, to Germany to here. I fought for king and country I loved dear. Christmas in the trenches Where the frost so bitter hung The frozen fields of France Where still no Christmas song was sung Our families back in England Were toasting us that day Their brave and glorious lads so far away I was lying with my messmate On the cold and rocky ground Across the lines of battle came a most peculiar sound Says I now listen up me boys, each soldier strained to hear As one young German voice sang out so clear He's singing bloody well, you know, my partner says to me Soon one by one each German voice joined in in harmony Cannons rested silent, the gas clouds rolled no more, as Christmas brought us respite from the war. As soon as they were finished, and reverent pause was spent, God rest ye merry gentlemen Struck up some lads from Kent Oh, the 
The next they sang was stealing off to his silent night, says I. And in two tongues one song filled up that sky. There's someone coming towards us, the frontline sentry cried. All sights were fixed on one lone figure trudging from their side. His truce flag like a Christmas star shone on that flame so bright as he bravely strode unarmed into the night. Then one by one on either side walked into no man's land. With neither gun nor bayonet we met their hand. Shared some secret brandy and wished each other well. And in a flare-lit soccer game, we gave him hell. We traded chocolates, cigarettes, and photographs from home. These sons and fathers far away from families of their own. Young Sanders played his squeeze box and they had a violin. Curious and unlikely band of men. Soon daylight stole upon us, and France was France once more. With sad farewells, we each began. Settle back to war, but the question haunted every heart that lived that wondrous night. Whose family have I fixed within my sights? It was Christmas in the trenches, where the frost so bitter hung. The frozen fields of France were warmed as songs of peace were sung. Walls they'd kept between us to exact the work of war had been crumbled and were gone forevermore. Oh, my name is Francis Tolliver. Liverpool, I dwell. Each Christmas come since World War One, I've learned its lessons well. But the ones who call the shots won't be among the dead and lame. And on each end of the rifle, we're the same. So I won't get this exactly right, but you probably heard the phrase in there. Uh, the one, the ones who call the shots are not the ones that are going to be dying, laying dead or getting maimed. And that those poor kids are carrying the guns, they're all the same. And there was another phrase in there that uh, you just wonder whose family do you have in your sights 
when you raise your rifle to aim. And, you know, that's the same whether it's the Revolutionary War, the First World War, the Second World War, the Civil War, Vietnam, and Iraq, and Afghanistan. Remember, remember the soldiers do not have to look the same, talk the same, believe the same. But the soldiers have the same fears. Soldiers have the same dreads. Soldiers have the same families. The moms, the dads, the sisters, the brothers. And kids of their own. Well, here's a short letter. And this is from Sergeant Major Frank Naden of the 6th Cheshire's quoted in the Stockport Advertiser January 1st, 1915. On Christmas Day, one of the Germans came came out of the trenches and held up his hands. Our fellows immediately got out of their trenches and the Germans got out of theirs and we met in the middle for the rest of the day. We fraternized. Exchanging food, cigarettes, and souvenirs. The Germans gave us some of their sausages and we gave them some of our stuff. Let's see the trading off of sausage versus stuff. The Scotsmen started the bagpipes and we had a rare old jollification, which included football, at which the Germans took part. The Germans expressed themselves as being tired of the war and wished it was over. They greatly admired our equipment and wanted to exchange jackknives and other articles. We had a gruesome task of burying a Frenchman whose body had been lying for a couple of weeks in front of our trenches. And the Germans helped us. Helped us to dispose of him. The next day we got an order that our communication and friendly intercourse with the enemy must cease. But we did not fire at all that day. And the Germans did not fire at us. Okay. In a letter from an unknown English officer, quoted in in the Norfolk Chronicle, You said I probably hardly know. You said that I'd probably hardly know it was Christmas Day. But far from it. We had a most extraordinary day and quite different from others. On Christmas Eve, our section of the line, and I think it was the same nearly all along, arranged an unofficial, unofficial armistice, each side agreeing not to shoot if the other did not. That night, lots of English and Germans met between the two lines and had talks. The Germans giving boxes of cigars and our men, we, gave, we were giving them hot tea. On Christmas morning, there was a hard frost and a thick mist. When the mist lifted, we saw Germans sitting along the top of the parapet. So our men got right out in front of the trenches, and they did likewise and met in the middle. Neither of them would let the other over halfway, over halfway the line. When I went down to the trenches instead of walking miles underground or underwater, we walked over the ground as everyone else was doing the same. 
when we got up there just behind our trenches, which are about two, which are only 200 yards from the Germans, we found a game of football going on. So here's another reference to the football game. That, and of course, they're playing soccer for us. And further on, there were bicycle races on bikes without tires found in the ruins of a house. Looking across to the Deutschers, the Germans, they were walking about anywhere and everywhere. After a bit, two officers came out and had a talk. Really, it was the most extraordinary sight, for as a rule, one didn't see a soul. Everyone was underground. And if you wanted to look over to the enemy, you took jolly good care not to poke your head right over, but to look very cautiously. One of my men, the one who got the DCM, I don't know what a DCM is, was given some sweets and a pair of braces by a German. Some of them were really most friendly and they said they did not want to fight us all and bear us no hatred. They are still the Saxon Corps opposed to us. Today is almost as usual with the guns shooting on both sides. But there's not much sniping. And that's from an unknown English officer. All right. I think I've got enough time for a song by Mary Black about boys. told all the fine young men that when this war is over there will be peace and peace will last forever They found 
just forgotten bones lying far from their homes forgotten as the cause for which they died And that's Mary Black, and she was singing a song that was written uh, about World War One. And, of course, you can remember that was called The War to End All Wars. Um, and that phrase is in the, uh, is in the song. And uh, it was a promise that, hey, you know, go off to this war, and your kids will never have to fight another war. Yeah. Didn't work out that way. Uh, I forgot to mention the previous song about Francis Tolliver. Um, was written and performed, well, at least performed by John McCutcheon, and that was in 1984. Uh, so it's not a World War One song, but it's definitely about World War One. Um, and you know, Francis Tolliver is a um, is a fictional character, but he's clearly a representation of all soldiers who find themselves captured in a war over whatever holiday you celebrate. Well, 1914, they had the Christmas truce and uh, it got, it generated some publicity, of course. And something came down from the Germans in a document called the Vorwarts. V-O-R-W-A-R-T-S that was quoted in the book. And it said, since the Christmas, since Christmas, an order has been issued in Germany forbidding German soldiers to approach the Allies' trenches with the object of fraternizing. It publishes, however, a letter. So Vorwurz obvi- uh, published a letter from a soldier describing just what took place on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, even though they are now forbidding this fraternization. You don't want anything to get in. in, You don't want anything to start substituting the war. All of a sudden, the war will end and peace will break out all over the place. Well, here's what was written. Suddenly from the enemy, hurrahing was heard and surprised. We came came out from our mouse holes 
and saw the English advancing towards us, waving white cigarette boxes, handkerchiefs, towels. They had no rifles with them, and therefore we knew it could only be a greeting and that it was all right. So here we have a German perspective. We advanced towards them and about halfway, uh, we were only about 200 meters from each other. The greeting took place in the presence of officers from both sides. Cigarettes, cigars, and many other things were exchanged, and even, a, even snapshots of both sides were taken. The English began playing with a football that they had with them. On darkness descending, both sides returned to their drawing rooms, <laughs> having promised that for the next three days of the holiday, they would not fire on each other. This problem, promise was given as a word of honor and extended on both sides to the artillery as well as the cavalry and the infantry. The French lay a little further away and therefore did not take part in it in this. They were under fire the whole day, whole day by our artillery. We were able to move about the, uh, during the day. We were able to move about the whole Christmas day with absolute freedom. It was a day of peace in war. It is only a pity that is not that it was not a decisive peace. Exactly. This story will be hard to swallow in England, but it is quite true, as the German trenches were not more than fifty yards away when we shouted and asked them to come over to come over for Christmas, just for a joke, of course. But anyway, they asked us to cease fire and sent a man out from each side between the trenches. Believe me, it was not long before we were all out and it was arranged to, for a cease firing until midnight Christmas. We were having cigars from them and them giving them cigarettes, singing and playing all day. Everyone was carrying on as usual. In fact, the transport fellows came up as they would not believe it. Several of the Germans were from London and were wishing the war was over. One of them even suggested that we should finish it off at a football game or throwing mud at each other so as we should not get hurt. No doubt you would have liked to be there for this day. What funny things happen in this war. Okay. Well, the war, of course, started going again. Uh, oh, uh, here's this is the heartbreaking thing. This took place in 1914, a Christmas truce in 1914. Do you think the politicians and the generals would allow it in 15, in 1916, in 1917? The Americans were there now. And the war ended November 11th of 1918. But the troops, the junior officers and the troops got together in 1914 and said, enough's enough. Enough's enough. Just for Christmas. Enough's enough. But by God, those generals and politicians would not let it, would not let it continue. Would not say, you know, that's not bad. Let's do that again next Christmas. Do we have to kill each other every day? Every day? Well, here's another song about 
what happened then. When things got back to war. Oh, how do you do, young Willie McBride? Do you and mind the if I sit here down by your graveside by the and rest for a while in the warm summer sun? Green fields of France. I've been walking all day and I'm nearly done. And I see by your gravestone you were only 19 when you joined the great fallen in 1916. Well, I hope you died quick. And I hope you died clean Oh, Willie McBride Was it slow and obscene Did they beat the drum slowly Did they play the fight lowly Did they sound the death march As they lowered you down Did the band play the last post and chorus Did the pipes play the flowers of the forest Did you leave a wife for a sweetheart behind? In some loyal heart is your memory enshrined And though you died back in 1916 To that loyal heart you're forever 19 Or are you a stranger without even a name? Forever enshrined behind some old glass pane in an old photograph torn, tattered and stained And faded to yellow in a brown leather frame Did they beat the drum slowly? Did they play the pipe lowly? Did they sound the death march as they lowered you down? Did the band play the last post and chorus? Did the pipes play the flowers of the forest? The sun shining down on these green fields of France The warm wind blows gently and the red poppies dance The trenches have vanished long under the plow No gas, no barbed wire, no guns firing now but here in this graveyard that's still no man's land The countless white crosses in mute witness stand To man's blind indifference to his fellow man And a whole generation were butchered and damned Did they beat the drum slowly? Did they play the pipe lowly? Did they sound? The death march as they lowered you down. Did the band play the last post and chorus? Did the pipes play the flowers of the forest? And I can't help but wonder, no Willie McBride, do all those who lie here know why they died? Did you really believe them when they told you the cause? Did you really believe that this war would end wars? Well, the suffering, the sorrow, the glory, the shame The killing and dying, it was all done in vain 
So the book tried to follow up on some of the folks who wrote the letters. They found the letters, but, well, here's what the book says. So what became of those men behind those moving letters? Sadly, we do not know the fate of many of them, but the odds were against the men who were at the front in 1914. Only about one in three would survive. One in three. Three would survive. Two out of the three would not make it. But, as the book goes on, but as our research continues, we have begun to hear from descendants and some of the men, and some add more details about the signatures at the end of the truce letters. For example, Ben Calder's descendants got in touch we had transcribed the letter of his published letter in the in the Bedfordshire Times in January of, of 1915. Uh, he was of the 6th Gordon's decoy at the front, writing to a Miss Fuller at the BWTA tea shop in St. Louis in Bedford. Dear Miss Fuller and other assistants of the little tea shop, just a few lines to let you know. How we are all keeping on. We have been in the trenches a good few days and had to go to hospital through the cold and exposure. They're hardly fit for us to work. We were in the trenches on Christmas Day and spent a merrier day there than we expected. There was a truce to bury our dead. We had a short service over the graves and conducted our, by our minister and the German one. They read the 23rd Psalm and had a short prayer. I don't think we will ever forget that Christmas Day. The letter goes on as, as normal. And his granddaughter, a lady named Rhonda Ramsey, got in touch with the people who wrote the book and followed up and said, yes, he had survived the war and he had moved to Canada to live. But when he died, well after the war, well after getting married, having children, he was buried back in Scotland in a World War I memorial. All right. Well, we're almost near, to sh near the end of the show. And I just want to finish up with this. In 2005, a movie called Joy Noel dramatized the Christmas truce and did a pretty nice job. They dramatized it, but they did a nice job. And so we're going to finish up with a song from the movie called I'm Dreaming of Home. And so... As we leave you on this last Thursday before Christmas, I want to say Merry Christmas, no matter how you celebrate it, 
or even if you don't celebrate it. Take care. See you next week. Dreaming of home. Oh, the river sings.